Good afternoon, Graham, and thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. And how are you? It's nice to see your background with the name of your, your company there. Thank you. Yes. Branding is important. It is indeed. So, Graham, you are the founder and director of your own recruitment firm, which you have been running for 13 years now. And you run offices in Australia. And before that, you had a variety of roles in management consulting and finance in various other industries. You have also worked with small and medium businesses as well as multinational corporations. So it's interesting to see the, the, the vastness of your experience. So how do you view recruitment as an industry today, having come from all these strategic business roles in the past? Recruitment as an industry itself is probably one of the most challenging industries because we're probably dealing with one of the, I'll say, the most unreliable commodities, which is people. We're relying on people. Um, that really is a challenge in itself because every person is different. If you're buying a mobile phone, you can go into an Apple store and a thousand phones are the same. Mm. A thousand people aren't the same. So recruitment is probably one of the most challenging positions because you are really trying to find that exact fit for a job, not just one of 20. So that's the challenge in recruitment, to find that exact person you're looking for and I think it's challenging because it's not always about who is the best qualified, the best skilled. It's about the fit as well, who fits with the culture of the employer. That's really important. And so therefore, as a recruiter, a lot of things you can't learn at university or college or from textbooks. It really comes from your own experiences and your own ability to read people, read situations, and understand fully what type of person an employer wants. So I don't think you can just walk into recruitment. Really is about, it. I think it finds you rather than you find it recruitment. A lot of people enter into it thinking it's a glamorous job, you're out on the road all the time. No, it's not. It's hard work. And your agency's expertise is in headhunting and executive search. And you have said uh, that you want to build the best agency and not the biggest. What does best mean to you? Best means about the service level we provide to our clients. So when people come to us, we're able to find the exact person they want and that person stays employed, not just for six months or three months, but for a long period of time. That is how we become the best, but also offering a fee structure which is, is, is comparable and it's not going to actually rip people off, if you like. So we're trying a very fair fee structure as well, but it's really about finding the right people that stay there and stay there long term because that employer will come back to us. They'll also refer us to other employers as well, which mm. is what tends to happen. So that's how it works. We don't have salespeople working for us. Mm -hmm. um, basically, most of our business comes through word of mouth referrals or people find us on the internet. So we haven't got an actual sales team because I don't think it's necessary for us. If you provide the right business and the right service, people will come to you. How far are you to being the best agency the way you see it? Well, I think I'm the best already, but of course... <laughs> Look, we've got a little bit of way to go still. Um, I don't think you can ever say we're there because as soon as you reach a certain level, you move the goalposts. So you can never be perfect. You can never be the best, but you can strive to always improve and do better. That is a real way to step forward. If you just stay put and think it's running fine, you'll get overtaken by others. So you've got to, as soon as you reach a target, you've got to move another target, set another target, set another target, and keep trying to grow and expand as much as you can that's how you become the best. Absolutely, because now we've seen so many shifts in these industries that you've been in, as well as in recruitment, and especially in the past two years. You know, you've gone from hiring freezers, widespread use of digitalization, and then 
now hiring all over again at breakneck speed. So from your point of view, what are some trends you've seen recently in Australia that will influence recruitment practices next year, perhaps? Yes, there's probably two sides to that at the moment. One of the trends we're seeing in a lot of the job seekers is they're being far more selective because at the moment in Australia, it really is the employee's market, the candidate's market, because they show such a shortage of people to find work to fill jobs. So therefore, the people looking for work have got a bit of an advantage. So they're probably driving a little bit more regards to money or work from home options, et cetera, or perks. They're driving that far more than they used to pre-COVID. That's a real shift. Other employers, though, on their side, are saying, well, we're trying to recover. So we can't afford to be paying excessive salaries compared to what we used to because we're mm-hmm. trying to back on our feet still. So they're the two challenges we're facing. The candidates know they're in demand, so pushing for more. Employers are saying, we're trying to recover. We can't afford to pay the extra. So there's a real dilemma there for both of those to try and somewhere meet in the middle. And in that regard, we're seeing discussions on a possible economic downturn. How should recruiters or talent acquisition leaders be strategizing or preparing themselves for a possibility like this? I think it's one of those things where do you worry about it or don't you worry about it? Or do you deal with mm. the today situation? And my gut feel generally is you deal with what's, in, what's there now. We really don't know what's going to happen next week, or week after or two months track. There's a lot of negativity, but there's also positive reports coming out about business confidence. Mm. I think I saw a report last week that 60% of employers over here are looking to hire more people in the next quarter. So we've got a real mixed match of what some people are saying and what other people are saying. So I tend to tell everybody, every client, deal with what's there now. We don't know what's going to happen next week. And you can't plan for negativity or downturn because even if it does happen, mm. we don't know the impact and will it impact every industry or not. So you've just got to go for it as best way you can. And if things happen, then deal with that as it happens. So I try and not focus too much on the negative or downturns. Mm. Be positive. I and mean, if we all grow and grow and do well, then there won't be a downturn. So that's really up to us whether there's a downturn or not. For recruiters in your space, which is the executive search space, what might be some trends that they should prepare for? One of the biggest trends we're seeing, particularly now, I think, is that um, more work-life balance, even at that senior level. They're looking for that work-life balance. Can I do a day from home or two days from home? Mm. There's a real change in that, that people wanting that balance. They're not wanting to be switched on 24 hours a day. There's a real shift from that now saying, well, if I'm at home at 7 o'clock at night. I don't expect a phone call from you. So there's a real move now that my hours are 8 to 5. That really, unless it's something extraordinary, that's my working hours. And they're calling it, I think the term they're using for it is a quiet resignation is the term they're using these days. It's a quiet it's a new, resignation? It's a, new term. it's a quiet resignation where you simply say, mm. my office is where I do my work. My home is my home life. And they're trying to separate the two as much as they can. That's a real shift we're seeing. Whereas I think in the past, at a more senior level, you understood. You don't have a nine-to-five job. You work whatever hours you have to do. If you get caught outside, you just do it because that's the level you're at. That that's not so much now what they're looking for. They're looking for much more of a balance and only outside of working hours, if it's something really urgent and important, they can't wait till tomorrow. Whereas in the past, you've been called upon, and I've been in senior positions myself, and you get called at night times, weekends, because that's just how it worked. You're a senior person, but there's a real shift in that now. I mean, me personally, I work seven days a week and seven hours, but it's my business. But I think other people working for employers, they're not looking 
that big imposition on their own personal time. And, and that's from the candidates' point of view. Their expectations have changed. I mean, it's across the board, I think, wanting that kind of um, balance to separate your, your work life from your home life. Uh, but let's talk about the uh, recruitment agency now. For companies that are looking to partner with an agency such as yours, what might be some ways they can get the best results from a recruitment partner? I think what they have to really do is make sure the recruiter they're working with fully understands what their business does and the type of person they're looking for. Don't just send them a position description. Be really clear, this is the type of person. If possible, meet them at your workplace, the recruiter, so they can get a real feel for the culture, the environment, and make sure they know the right type of person. As I said, it's not always the best skill or qualified, it's about the right person. And you can't just do that from a position description. You've got to get a real understanding of the type of organisation, the type of people that work there, and what type of person they are looking for. My honest opinion is when you're looking for that more senior person, you really need to deal with somebody as a recruiter who has got experience behind them. You can't learn things from a textbook. Some of the skills we have in recruiting come from our own life experiences, our own work experience, our own work history. But I think if you're looking to recruit, you need to find somebody who may not have worked in your exact industry, but at least understands your industry, understands the workplace, the type of workplace you have. So I think the more senior the role, sometimes you go need to go that more mature recruiter because they have a better understanding of the type of person you're looking for than a person who has just started in the industry. That's what I would suggest. The other thing, the other thing I would suggest is that there is a bit of a feeling that the more you pay, the better. Mm. That is not the case. So don't be driven by price the recruiter is charging you. If somebody charges you 40% of, as a fee structure as opposed to 20%, don't assume one charge of 40 is better. There is this misconcept that if I pay more, I get better. It's not always the case. So really shop around a little bit, talk to people. I would also say, go and gut feel. The way you feel, talk, do you relate with the recruiter? Do you connect with the recruiter? Because the more you do that, the more successful the relationship will be. And don't just be a name or a number. Actually really get a connection with the recruiter because it'll work so much better that way. And as a recruitment partner, you are also perhaps custodian to their employer brand, right? Client's employer brand. So what might be the role of employer branding to ensure that companies have positioned themselves well to attract the best executive talent? Look, I think it's, it's really important branding from both sides. Our own brand is important, obviously, because my name's on the door, as I say, so it's very important to me. But I think from the employer's point of view, branding is important to the point of we try and sell an employer to a potential job seeker. We try and sell an employer based on turnover of staff, retention of staff, their growth. So we try and use that as the branding of the employer. If we've placed people with them in the past, and look, we've placed three or four people there already, they're still there after two years, that is really good branding for that employer because it says, okay, they've worked with me, we've placed people there, and they're still there. So that's a really good branding model to have that regular routine placements and successful placements with a large organisation because that's part of the branding that works really well. I think the name of the company isn't as important as far as branding goes, um, but it's really about their reputation, mm. their retention of people, 
their training of staff. That's what's important in branding, not necessarily the name of the organisation. I remember when I first started this business, um, one of the clients I picked up was a client of a previous company I worked for, and he said to me, to be honest with you, Graham, I don't really care what you call your business or whether you work out of your garden shed. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. I like you. I've worked with you. I've got a great relationship with you. I trust you. So you can take my business, no problem at all. That's the kind of branding you want, that trust factor between both parties. And that sort of retention and development comes from, you know, especially in the past two years or so, we've seen digitalization coming in and more and more uh, people need to be upskilled inside an organization. And there's a bigger need for obviously tech talent. So today, any company that is operating can see itself as a tech company as well. Uh, whether they have upskilled or they're looking for people in the tech space to come in and, and uh, help them become uh, digitalized. What would you say are the top three challenges facing tech recruitment today and what might be some of the solutions? Part of the challenge with tech recruitment at the moment is, as you're right, every company is tech-related these days, um, is actually because there are so many packages, programs, hardware, software, they're actually trying to find somebody who ticks their boxes who's used this or have done that, where sometimes they may not have used that particular product, but another one, which is very similar, but the employer think, oh, no, we want experience in this. Mm-hmm. I think part of that issue sometimes is the person doing the recruiting doesn't understand tech enough themselves, so they're therefore the person has to tick the boxes. And that's a challenge, that I think, to understand that, okay, you may not have used this particular software package, but I understand you use that one, and I'm aware the similarities, or it's very transferable. If you don't have that broad knowledge or experience yourself, it's very hard to recruit someone in the tech space because you don't have enough knowledge yourself at all. And that's a challenge, I think. There are certain companies who deal with nothing but tech as recruitment. Um, Some companies will go to them purely because they assume as a tech specialist that is what they do. But again, don't fall into that trap because just because a, a certain recruitment agency does nothing but real estate or IT, don't assume all the people that work in there have worked in those fields because they haven't. Simply they recruit for those fields. So that's the research the employer needs to do to make sure the person they're working with has enough skills and knowledge and experience to fill their role. And so the tech side of it is really understanding, okay, I've got an accounting background, I've I've learned about myself taught lots of different programs, but me personally, I don't do programming. That's not me. So what we do, though, we have a person on our books who is a genius programmer. So when resumes are coming through, we'll work with him, say, okay, you need to go through and tell me which of these people (laughs) have the right skill set for this position. Mm. So don't guess. You've really got to make sure you've got somebody working with you who understands the tech world they're trying to fill. So a, a recruiter in the tech space, as you're saying, has to be someone who has experience. But what about those who perhaps don't have the experience in tech, but would like to upskill themselves and learn more. What, what would they have to do? As a job seeker, it's very challenging at the moment because a lot of companies don't want to do training. That's, that's the real issue. Most employers don't have the luxury of training. They've got a vacancy and need to fill now and need someone who can do the job now mm-hmm. and not have to train people. So that problem's existed though since I first left school. How do you get experience? You know, give you a chance kind of situation. That, that problem is still there. Part of the issue we've got, we've got a lot more graduates and inexperienced tech people because that's what we're all doing in college and universities and schools these days. 
than we used to have, but far more of those people than graduate roles. So employers are crying out for experienced tech people and just can't find them. And I've got a plethora of graduates or inexperienced people looking for work that can't be placed. So that's the real challenge we've got. And again, somewhere these two need to meet in the middle somewhere and say, okay, he hasn't quite got four years experience, but he's got 12 months experience. We can work on that. Mm. That's the challenge that eventually they'll have to come to terms with. They're not going to find exactly what they want, but can they find somebody who's close enough that they can work with to develop into that role they need to fill? We spoke quite a bit about the challenges, and there are plenty of tools out there that automate a recruiter's workflow, and such as our tool in Manatar. What kind of impact do you think these technologies and tools will have on recruitment? I think the important thing with, with the automation is, is to understand it is a tool, as you say. Mm-hmm. It is a tool to use to help you. Now, there are lots of things it can do that really do make things much quicker. The risk we run, though, and I think some recruiters are probably guilty of this, is using the technology, the automation, to do their job for them. And that's the mistake. So we need to make sure the automation we use as a tool and not rely on it to tell us this person's the perfect person for the job. The automation shouldn't be doing that. It should be able to suggest some people, us then to meet and talk to these people and say, okay, we think this is the right one. And I've, I've seen it recently where this automation has been relied on solely as the tool to find the right candidates, and that's not how it should work. I say it should be a tool to assist us, mm. not to do the job for us. And I think some recruiters have become a little bit lazy in using automation to do the job for us. We, we look at every resume that comes in, we actually read it, because sometimes it doesn't matter how smart the automation is, it still may not pick up, oh, I've got this person's resume, not what they not the job they applied for, but I might have this job, which the automation may not have picked up. You still need to have that human interaction. Mm. I say use the automation as a tool to assist you, not to do the job for you, and that's the risk I think sometimes we run. Yeah, it's the human element that still comes in while automation you, takes you can't up. Repli- you can't replace the human element um, yet. One day it may, but at the moment <laughs> it can't do that. No. Yeah, they. Uh, plenty of automation tools are out there to one cut the manual tasks that yes. many recruiters face every day and also suggest uh, uh, what are the possibilities for them who are the what are the profiles they should be looking at in order to make that kind of short list that they're looking for exactly. those are the kinds of things that and, and really yes as you said tracking, tracking as well where things are in the progress okay um, it's good for Yes, I've got this vacancy, and basically, where are we up to? Have we seen people? Have we submitted people? It's really good for tracking the progress of any work you're doing. So I think that's a real strength of automation. You've not got paper everywhere. What's the word? Where's that sort of thing? It's actually in front of you in black and white. So I think that's a real beauty of automation. And you're right. If we put in a particular vacancy comes in and we put in the criteria we're looking for, it can throw up a number of resumes. But again, the issue there is that unless the person is used wording that you're looking for mm. in their resume it doesn't find them you've still got to have that sort of human element to really make sure when you're meeting people or talking to people really clear notes in there to actually say okay even though the resume not have this in there my notes have got it so the automation will find it when i'm looking for people and i had a classic example this morning where a person applied for a job using zero as a product their resume didn't say they'd use zero it just said various accounts packages so we've put in the notes, zero, which level of zero they've used. And when we now search through, 
it will find them. Previously, if we put zero as a search criteria, it wouldn't have found them. So that's the important thing as well, to use the actual automation as a, as a tool, not an instead of. So on that note, let's talk about the candidate experience, because this, this falls back to the candidate experience, ultimately, who you're talking to, what you know about them, etc. What would you say in your experience are some ways we can ensure candidate care throughout the recruitment process? I think candidate care is really important because we need to make sure, and what I try to do is when I meet candidates, is even if they're not right for the role they're applied for, make them leave the interview still thinking they've got skills, they've got potential, they've got possibilities, and not leave them thinking, ugh. Um, you want to try and give them at least something positive at the end of it as much as you can. Where you can, keep them involved in this is the process, this is where we're up to. The challenge we face as recruiters is getting that from the employers because sometimes they're very slow to give us feedback. So if we have no feedback, it's hard for us to give to the back to the candidate. So that's the real challenge that we have is trying to get updates from employers to make sure we can tell the candidates where things are up to in the process. But I think it's also making sure that you keep in regular contact with mm. the candidate database, some mechanism. I mean, we have a tool that we use to keep in contact with each candidate every month just to update, are you still looking, not looking? So we make sure that database is current and live rather than having thousands of people who may not be looking for it anymore. So we use that as a tool and that keeps in touch with our candidates. We also quite often just run interview sessions, training sessions, resume writing sessions, for our job, our candidates to try and keep them involved as well. So that's, I think, the important thing. Just keep in contact, communicate with your candidates, and that will make them feel better about themselves and also about the service who are You have vast experience in the recruitment space today. What advice would you give someone starting out in recruitment today? The advice I would give someone starting out is mm. it's not what you think it is. I'll be honest with you, it's a sales job. Um, it's, it's It really is a sales job in recruitment. And you're selling two things. You're selling your business to an employer but you're also selling a candidate to an employer. There's two sales processes you're going to go through. And it is hard work. It's not glamorous. It's hard work. The hours are not sociable, unfortunately. And I said, you're dealing with people who, as we all know, are not the most reliable commodity in the world because they don't turn up for interviews. They don't turn up for jobs. And they've got a job. That happens far too often. And you'll get a lot of frustrations with this job because it really is frustrating when you're trying to find things or people don't turn up for interviews or you can't find candidates or you can't get hold of the employer for updates. It's not an easy job. It's very challenging. It's demanding, but it's hard work. The rewards are huge. I don't just mean that financially. The rewards when you actually find a person a job, you're impacting people's lives. And that's such such a buzz for somebody. I mean, I can call somebody and say, you're not job and to hear them in tears on the phone because you know it's helped them out they've got a job it, it's, an, it's an amazing feeling so we really do have an impact on people's lives and we need to be careful with that because that's what we do have an impact on people's lives but anybody looking to get into this industry it's hard work very hard work it's very demanding there's a very high turnover of staff recruitment it's one of the highest turnover industries going it's a very high turnover so you need to be prepared it is hard work and unfortunately, with challenges such as COVID, lockdowns, recruiters, you have no job. You are so reliant on what other people are doing. It's a very reactive kind of job because the market really dictates your level of work. If the real estate industry crashes for some reason, then people in real estate recruitment, they're in trouble because that's all they do. 
Now, what I would suggest to people, and my company is a general, so we do everything from general managers to, to, dog, you know, to cleaners and dog groomers and everything in between and all industries, I would suggest to people looking to get into recruitment, try and work for a generalist rather than a specific mm. one industry only because in a generalist business, when certain industries go in trouble, you still have other work you're doing. If you work for a one-off recruitment that's one industry only and that industry suffers, you're out of a job basically. So, yeah, I would say if you're looking to get into it, be prepared for hard work, try and get a role with a generalist rather than a specific one. And stay resilient, right? Very much so, yes. Thank you very much, Graham, for your time today. It's been a great pleasure having you on the show. I'm sure the audience wants to know more about you and your company. You have it on the screen. But uh, where can they find you if they look you up? Websites. Websites, the easiest place to go, which is superiorpeople.com. And we have been speaking with Graham Wynn, who is the founder and director of Superior People Recruitment in Melbourne, Australia. Do look out for future podcasts from All In Recruitment and stay tuned for our next videos. Thank you.